So yesterday, I, get, I got a bunch of, you get a bunch of emails. I get, anytime there's a yard site of somebody, you get a bunch of emails say, you know, send us your prayers, you know, and a check, and we're going to go pray for you by the, by the, kever. the kever of Rav Shimon Bar Yochai, and your, your prayers are going to come because we're going to, we're going to pray for you. As long as I send the check, the bigger the check, the more the pray. And it's very hard to sometimes to understand. You could get, I think you get the first one for free, but if you need a second request, you got to then pay. <laughs> so, on the one hand, you know, we could say that, you know, maybe the Siddhartha breaks the, breaks the, the, the blockage, and that'll help to get the Tefillah. But we say every day, we say in Asherah three times a day, Karova, Hashem is close to those who call Him, everyone who calls Him in truth. And, and you have to think that we say, Tamim Tiyeim Hashem Elokehom. You should be, you should be, your faith should be simple, directly connected to Hashem. You don't need to go through intermediary, especially intermediary like this. You have a big Talmud Chacham, you should always ask him to, to pray for you, give you a bracha. Especially someone you know who knows you, because that person can connect with you. But someone who has no connection, someone who's through the internet is going to go pray, but it almost seems to me, it's difficult for me to understand. And the question then is, when I go to pray and I'm praying with sincerity, what happens? Someone asked me the other day, you know, we were praying for such and such. We were praying. And all of us were praying. And thousand people were praying. And the person passed away. So what happened to those tefillot? Do they just disappear? Do they go nowhere? Did Hashem not accept those tefillot? We have to think, Abraham Avinu. He was, in essence, he was praying for the people of Sodom when Hashem came to him and said to him, I'm going to wipe out the city. And Hashem says, 50, you know, Abraham, 50 people, 40 people, the negotiation back and forth. And he's praying for the people of Sodom. What happens? Sodom gets destroyed. So what happened to those tefillot? Did they go wasted? Did they go, does nothing happen to them? So we always have to think that we don't, we don't see the big picture of anything in life. I heard a story, I heard it from two different people. I heard the story from one of the boys who was involved in the story, and it really gives you a, a, a little insight into, how, into how, how tefillah might work. So he said there was a, there was a certain rabbi, he was a, second, he was a second grade teacher, and he came to speak at the Sheva Brachot of a young man, a young man, we call him uh, Isaac, Isaac Sheva Brachot. And he comes to speak, and he was the second grade teacher, and the people wondering, you know, you couldn't get any other rabbis who later you got the second grade teacher to come speak? And the rabbi gets up and says, you know, I was Isaac's second grade teacher, but I know him for a long time. And I want to tell everyone a story. When I was a second grade teacher, I came down one Monday morning, and I see Isaac's best friend Abraham is sitting on the side, and they're all the boys, and this kid's a good athlete. Every day he plays with the kids. Now he's sitting on the side. Instead of playing with the other boys, he's reading Tehillim. And I walk over to Abraham, I say, Abraham, what's the matter? He goes, Rabbi, my mom's pregnant. She's going to give birth. I have three sisters. I got to pray to God that I have a brother. I really got to pray that I have a brother. The rabbi didn't have a heart to tell him, listen, <laughs> what is it is already? <laughs> says, so the kid's sitting there praying. Then he sees next to him, Isaac. He says, Isaac, what are you doing? He goes, if Abraham's praying for a brother, he's my best friend. I'm going to pray with him too. And the two boys sitting there for the whole recess and they're reading Tehillim. Okay, Monday. Rabbi comes down Tuesday. Again, he sees Abraham and he sees Isaac and they're both sitting there and they're reading Tehillim, praying that Abraham's mother should give birth to a, a, a boy. 
Wednesday, they're both sitting there, really, kavana, total kavana, praying, reading Tehillim. Please, Hashem, give him a baby brother. Thursday comes down, and he sees Abraham's playing ball with the rest of the kids. And Isaac is sitting on the side. And he calls over Abraham, Abraham, what happened? He goes, oh, my mom had a baby yesterday afternoon. And it was a girl. And... You know, my dad took me to the hospital last night and my mom was so happy and we went this morning to shul and we named the baby and everyone's so happy and she's little Sarah and she's so cute. So what am I going to do? I'm not going to be mad at God. He gave my mother what she wanted. He goes over to Isaac and Isaac's sitting there, he's crying. He says, Isaac, what's the matter? He goes, you don't know, Rabbi. I prayed three days. I took three days of recess. I didn't play. And Hashem didn't listen to my prayers. He didn't make a boy. He made a girl. And I prayed for this baby for three days and nothing happened. Nothing happened. Goes fast forward the story. He says, Isaac's 20 years old and his friends start to get married. 21, 22. He's learning in yeshiva. And, none of, and he's not. He goes out. Nothing works. The rabbi says, don't worry, don't worry. He says, and today Isaac is 27 and he's getting married. And who, was he ma- who did he just marry that was celebrating the Sheva Brachot? Sarah. Sarah, the girl that he was sitting there praying for when he was sitting at recess. And the rabbi says, we don't understand. Look, Hashem took his tefillot. He was praying for that baby. He didn't understand what he was praying for that baby. But he was praying for who? His future wife. And why couldn't he get married when he was 21 and 22? Because she was only 14 or 15. Hashem was waiting for her to get to the age where they could both get married and get together. We don't understand sometimes that the tefillot we could go, they could sit there, they're holding, and Hashem is holding. A lot of times you see someone who's, who's, who's successful in life or who comes back, you see, they have parents that are zero religion and grandparents that are zero religion. All of a sudden the children, uh, they, they come back and they connect in some way and they connect little by little. It says, where are they connecting? Because the great-grandparent was saying a tefillah way back when, and that tefillah is held in abeyance. Sometimes tefillot are held in abeyance. Sometimes we don't see the whole picture. But the tefillot that we have, they always do something. When we go back to Abraham Avinu, for example, we say, what were those tefillot? Abraham had his tefillot. He prayed all that time for Sarah to have a baby. How many years did they pray every single day for Sarah to have a baby? And they went years and years. And finally, when she's 90 years old, when he's 100 years old, she has a baby. Look at Yitzchak. Yitzchak and, and, and Rivka, they prayed year after year. For 20 years, they prayed every day to be blessed with a child. And finally, after 20 years of marriage, they were blessed with a child. What happened to those tefillot? What happened to the tefillot of Yaakov that he thought Yosef was dead? All the tefillot they must have given. So the rabbis explained that what did the avot, their tefillot, what did they do? They built a highway. They built an infrastructure. You pick up a cell phone. You can make a call to someone sitting in Israel. I could call my daughter now, FaceTime, and see my grandchildren running around in the park. How? It's an unbelievable miracle. But do you think it's because I have a phone and she has a phone? I have a phone and she has a phone, that's fine. But if you don't have the infrastructure that connects from one side through all of the, the links that you need to connect, the phone doesn't work. Our, our phone call to heaven relies on the infrastructure that was built by the Avot, by Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Their tefillot built the infrastructure so that our tefillot have a road to travel up. And it's very important that we, that we understand something. I said this morning that when, when we pray together, the Shekhinah is sitting on top of us. The Shekhinah is on top of us. It's not in the Aron. We have to realize that the, the Gemara says in a certain places that a person who prays alone, his tefillot go nowhere. 
And if you look at the Kabbalah, it's, 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 you, could, you could understand because it's very difficult for a person who prays alone to have the proper Kabbalah that his tefillot should rise even if the highway is there. It says, but when we come together to pray together as a kahal, when we come together to pray together as a group, Hashem, Hashem the Shekhinah is with us. So you have to think, my prayer then doesn't really have to go all the way up through the superhighway in essence. Hashem is with us and the Shekhinah itself is taking that tefillah. We come together, we make the quorum, Hashem is with us and that tefillah travels up. Also what happens is when we come together, each of us has a different kavanah. Someone may have a kavanah that he's praying for someone's health, someone is praying for someone's wealth, someone is praying for someone's knowledge, someone is praying for something else. But all of us coming together, each of us, there's not just one engine that's the chazan who's taking everyone's tefillot up. It's everyone is their engine on their own connecting to that train. And everyone's engine is pulling everyone else. So when we come together as a group, we lift everything all together so that our tefillot could be answered. We don't understand how tefillot work. We really don't understand because we can't see the big picture. But Hashem runs the big picture. And we have to remember, we say every single day, and David HaMelech told us today, Karov Adonai Lechol Korea. Hashem is close to everyone who calls Him. But how do you have to call Him? Lechol Asher Yikre'uhu. Everyone who calls Him, Be'emet. Do it truthfully, do it from your heart, and for sure, in some way or another, our tefillot are going to be answered. Baruch Adonai Just one other story, so I'll just keep it here. So I, I heard another story. It was a lady, uh, not religious, from Tel Aviv. She came, she saw there was an advertisement for, uh, for a Seder, like a play, a Seder play. And she said, you know, I really don't understand what Passover is about. I grew up completely, completely Chiloni in Tel Aviv. I want to see what's Passover really about. You know, I you know, I know about matzah, but not, nothing else. So she came to this thing, and they have a mock seder, and they make this whole presentation, and it's, you know, they make it a lot of fun. And the lady says, you know, it really was something, you know, that appealed to me. So she tells the rabbi, you know, I don't know if my family's going to go for it, but maybe I'm going to try to make a seder. You know, we all, you know, Passover in Israel, everyone, you know, has dinner together anyway. So he says, here's a booklet to tell you exactly what you need to do, and here's a CD, play it in the house, and you'll hear all the songs from the seder. So this is a couple of weeks before the Seder. So she starts playing the CD every day. And her kids are listening every day to the CD in the house. So, you know, they're singing this song. They're listening to the songs. They're getting the songs. A couple of days before she goes, Rabbi, I'm going to do it. We're making dinner anyway. Just tell me how I make the Seder. Where do I get the matzah that I need? Where do I get everything? goes, no problem. This organization, what we do is we'll send out a package for you. It'll have everything you need for the whole Seder. You just set the table. And you follow the booklet that I gave you, and you're going to have a Seder. Comes the night of the Seder, and she does the best she can. The TV's on, the kid's on the phone. She says, but her father comes in to the Seder. And her father grew up, he came, he came from Europe when he was a little kid, but he grew, up when, he grew up on a kibbutz, and he was zero. The most anti-religion you could have. You know, left-wing communist uh, labor... And he's living also, so he's living in, uh, in Tel Aviv somewhere. He drives to the daughter for, uh, for the Seder. And he sits down with them at the Seder that night. And they start the Seder. And then she gets the kids to come together. And they all knew the song. So they're all doing Manish Tana. And the father, he starts to cry. And she says, Dad, Dad, what's the matter? He goes, no, finish, finish the Manish Tana. And I'm going to tell you. So all the kids are singing the Manish Tana. He starts to sing with them. She says, Dad, what happened? He goes... The last night that I was in my parents' house was Passover. He said, I was in my parents' house in Passover in Europe, and I already was with the, 
the the people, the enlightenment people, and all the people, and I wanted to be a, uh, go to Israel and have a, and be a pioneer, and I wasn't except religion was for the birds. And we sat there that night, that Seder, and my father was religious with a beard, and my siblings are all religious. And I said to them, what is all this nonsense? You want to do something, you have to do it yourself. There's no, it's all nonsense. And my father and mother, they started to cry. My father said, you're asking the question like the Rasha is asking the question. And he says, I don't have the heart to answer you like the Haggadah says to answer the Rasha. And he says, the father and the mother, they started to hold hands and they started to pray that Hashem should bless him. That if he loses the religion, that one day his children and his grandchildren are going to come back. And he said, I, sat, that I left my house the next morning. I was done with my house. I was done with the nonsense. I was done with religion. I got out of Israel. I, I got out of Europe. I got myself to Israel. I was 14 years old. He said, and I moved to Israel at 14 and I joined the kibbutz and that was my life and this, the state became my life. And I said, it was done. And now I'm sitting here tonight, the night that I left and I see my grandchildren are singing the Manishtana, which is the last thing I heard in my parents' house. And I see that my parents prayed and my parents prayed for something and now my parents' prayer is coming, coming true. You never see how, how life works, you know? It's unbelievable. See, so who knows what's going to happen with this family and these kids, but even that speech that the grandfather gave is going to make the kids say, what? We come from Hasidim with long beards, and <laughs> what does that mean? What do we come from? Who was our great-grandparents? So to them, it's going to be something cool to go back and look on, and who knows what's going to be with these parents.